The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Hello there, and you're very welcome along to the latest Home Show podcast. Coming up this week, I'll be joined by two Irish contestants taking part in this season's Interior Design Masters with Alan Carr on the BBC. Decluttering Supremo Dilly Carter on her new book and the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional home. And Lorraine Keane, TV presenter and businesswoman, on doing up her home from scratch and jumping in the winter sea. If you'd like to get in touch with us here on The Home Show podcast, you can do so by emailing us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Throughout the week, you'll find me on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And I know lots of you like to get in touch with me there and it's lovely to hear from you all. So for now, you're very welcome along to The Home Show podcast. Now, we are not covering it this week. uh, And that's pretty much because every other show on News Talk uh, has been covering it as a topic because it is all people are talking about. And that is, of course, the lifting of uh, rental evictions and, and you know, the ban that was on that and why the government are doing it and what's going to happen and are people going to be homeless and all of that. And for me, I suppose the government is between a rock and a hard place. I mean, they need to keep landlords in the market and... Some of them would feel, look, if you're going to keep making life so difficult in terms of the taxes we have to pay and the regulations we have to abide by, and then we can't kind of change over tenants if we need to, I'm out of here. And they are leaving in their thousands. And, you know, it is a difficult one. And what do they do? And all the solutions that they have come up with are, to me, medium long term solutions. I mean, they're not something isn't going to happen in a couple of days time that's suddenly going to change the face of the rental market. And, you know, you can understand why they have to do it. But at the same time, it is absolutely going to cause a problem. And I suppose time will tell how bad that is going to get. Could it end up with uh, being the equivalent of the tax on children's shoes? For anyone who remembers the 1982, John Bruton's uh, government collapsed over that issue. Albert Reynolds always said it's the little things that trip you up. Uh, and and could this be the government's um, kind of Rubicon? Anyway, time will tell. I do think uh, that's without doubt we have a dysfunctional market here when it comes to housing. We have too many small amateur landlords and not enough regulation around uh, tenancies and long-term tenancies and keeping people in place. And you're only going to get that if you have big institutional companies who own homes and apartments who will take their profit over 30 and 35 years and they don't need it for next year. So that will rumble on. We will cover it over the coming weeks as things play out. Uh, But for now, we have other things to turn our mind to and you are very welcome along to The Home Show. The fourth season of the BBC Interiors programme, Interior Design Masters with Alan Carr, has returned to our screens. It's on Tuesday evenings at 8pm. The contestants on the programme are all amateur interior decorators. They're set design challenges and they have to dazzle the judges with them in order to remain in the competition. And among those taking part this time are two Irish contestants, Tom Power and Peter Irvine. And Peter and Tom join me now on the line. Peter, let me start with you. How has the process been for you? And uh, have you ever done anything like this before? I've never done anything like this before. And I'm actually, I find that surprisingly comfortable, the whole process. And what about you, Tom? Um, well, I trained as an actor and I did that for 20 years, but I only ever did theatre and stage work. 
So um, I was a bit daunted by being on camera and being on camera as myself was very scary. But um, I think the production company were fabulous and they made it very easy and very comfortable. Now, you mentioned there, uh, Tom, that you are an actor and you have you have been acting. Uh, how did you get involved or what sparked your interest in interior design? Well, um, so I finished acting about seven or eight years ago. I fully retired from that industry. Um, but the whole time I was an actor, I would also work as a stylist and I did some stage design and some costume design. Um, and I think design has always been a part of my DNA. Um, and I think actually looking back at it, I was more interested in the visuals of the theatre world. And maybe that is, sh- maybe I should have taken uh, heed of that a bit more um, and maybe started this part of my journey a bit sooner. <laughs> well, you're here now and that's the important thing. Um, and... Peter, when it comes to real life, tell us a little bit about what it is you do. Because, of course, this is a series for amateur interior designers. You're not professionals. So so what, what, what is your normal day like? So my normal job, I am a visual stylist. Um, I've been that for almost 10 years now. And I was, it was always very wrapped up in kind of clothing and things like that. I'm a very creative person. So I love the challenges that come with curating uh, collections and things like that within my work ro- role. Um, but upon occasions, I delved into the kind of homeware section and I really, really enjoyed that aspect. And then just in my daily life, you know, I always find homeware sitting in the back of my mind. And what prompted you to apply to Interior Design Masters? I knew I could do it. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I, all these voices around me in my own head and like my supportive friends and family all saying, you know, I think you'd be really good at that. And I find myself, for use of a better term, like multi-talented. You know, I, I knew I could do the building aspects and you could do the design aspects and then certainly the styling aspects. So it was just something I thought I need to try this. Now, we know that you have um, a colourful uh palette when you go to design a room. And we discovered in episode one that you're a Britney Spears fan. Oh my goodness, this is haunting me. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't we all? Let's start with that. I'm always a Britney Spears fan, but certainly that aesthetic um, died quite a long time ago. It was about 14 years ago I did have a Britney Spears bedroom. Uh, but thankfully my tastes have certainly got better and I know to just leave my fan base inside my head. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom, we we learned from you that you're a dab hand with a staple gun and you can swap out a headboard in minutes. <laughs> yeah, my mum was a seamstress. So um, I learned to sew very young, helping her um, make Deb's dresses. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so it's a very natural thing for me to sew. And then I taught myself to be an upholsterer um, while I was an actor as a little sideline mixer job. Um, and I've done that for about 10 years. Do you think it's a good idea to kind of teach kids? I Like a seamstress seems like um, a job from long ago. And and we know garments are made now so much fast fashion around. Do you think it's a good idea to teach our kids skills about sewing and about, especially when it comes to repurposing and recycling, whether it's clothing or furniture? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just, just to be practical, you know, my mum always, painted our house herself or hung up wallpaper 
And it just meant I went, this is a achievable, very straightforward thing. It doesn't take a genius to paint a room. Um, and it just means that, you know, A, you're saving a fortune because you're not pay, paying somebody else to do it. And you can just swap and change your mind if you want. You can take, you can take um, risks because you can go, I'm just going to paint this and see what happens. And, mm. you know, maybe I love it and maybe I don't. And maybe next week I'll paint it again. And, and it's something that just we've featured so many times in the home show with um, companies now specialising in that, interior designers looking first to the upcycling market rather than going out and buying new. Absolutely, yes. I mean, you know, we probably all have things at our home that we can just alter and then they will have a whole new lease of life. I know everything in my home, I don't think I hardly have a single new thing in it. Everything is either from a second-hand shop or basically from a skip. Mm. Um <laughs> And it's because I think fundamentally I have uh, a worry that if I buy something new that I'm going to damage it and then I'll be really annoyed at myself. <laughs> Whereas if I buy something that's secondhand it's already damaged so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Indeed. Well that's a good motto actually to live by. <laughs> um, so let me both ask you then the, the important question. Peter first. What, is Alan Carr a zany in real life? And does he kind of steal every scene you're in? He actually sometimes even steals your jokes as well. <laughs> I had a good one and I think that made it to him. Um, but no, he is an absolutely lovely person. And and he is funny, of course. And Tom, what's it like being filmed in the process of what you're doing, which is effectively being at work? Um, I've always done my designing and my you know creative outlet in a very solitary way. And then to have a team of people watching you do something and watching you trying to come up with the solution, you know, maybe, uh, so for example, in episode one, I painted a canvas, um, I painted a piece of artwork, and I'd never done that in front of people before. And I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, because it was, you know, it's part of the process. And they want you to discuss and describe what you're doing. And in your mind, you're thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just making this up. It's a piece of artwork. <laughs> well, there's plenty of people on television, I think, could say the same thing. Um, I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, look, we can't give away any secrets, but it's fair to say the competition rolls on. Um, so let me know after, like in your future, is this something that you both want to do now full time either way? Uh, or what's up next for you guys? Um, Tom, what about you? A hundred percent. This is something I intend to carry on doing. So, yeah, a hundred percent. This is my uh, path from now on. And Peter, is this your new career now? Uh, certainly, I intend to use this platform. Um, I came very much from a social media side of things in terms of how I portrayed and advertised myself. And certainly now is the time to kind of bank and utilize that um, with the with the following and with all eyes on you. Hopefully, it brings uh, like a new set of clients and then things just naturally grow from there. Indeed. And remind us of your Instagram handle. Yes, my uh, Instagram is at the white home. The white home as opposed to the white house. <laughs> right, OK. The white house is taken. <laughs> it is taken. Imagine that. All right. And Tom, you're also on Instagram. I am, yes. My Instagram and website is Tom Power Design. The best of luck for what's Thank to come so and I hope it goes well for all of you and uh, you. that um, you oh, you can't both be successful but I'm, I'm certain that you will both be successful uh, in your uh, careers in the future with this. Interior Design Masters with Alan Carr is on BBC One at 8 o'clock on Tuesdays and my thanks to Peter Irvine and Tom Power yeah. for joining us today. Thanks guys. Thank Thanks you so, so much, much for having us.
You're listening to The Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. If you'd like to get in touch, it's thehomeshow at newstalk.com or you can find me on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. My next guest, Dilly Carter, is a professional organiser and television decluttering expert. She's just released her new book uh, called Reclaim Your Home, Your Time, Your Mind with lots of tips and advice. Now, we feature decluttering and tidying stories in the Home Show many, many times, but your story, Dilly, and you're very welcome along to the Home Show, is born from personal experience. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I always say that I was born into chaos. And when I say I was born into chaos, I, I feel like it's, it, there's so many different elements of chaos and what that means to different people. But for me, um, I was, you know, given to an, um, an orphanage when I was seven days old in Sri Lanka. And then I was adopted in 1983 by a lovely couple, a Sri Lankan man and an English woman. And I was brought to England. So that was my first, my first uh, you know, what can I say, uh, experience, I think, of chaos, you know, going from one place to another, mm. going from one country to another. Um, and then I was brought up in this most amazing road. But the house that I lived in was absolute chaos, um, as in, the, you know, there was always stuff everywhere. You know, my dad was an accountant. He just was surrounded by paperwork constantly. Um, you know, he just was messy. So my house was always messy. My mum and dad's house was always messy. My mum's house now still she lives at the bottom of my garden. You know, she still doesn't, you know, keep on top of it like she should. But this is because of her mental health and because her mental health declined when I was 11. And the house, I mean, the house was messy anyway, but it just got worse and worse as her mental health declined. So I feel like there's chaos has just surrounded me all my life, but I've gone the opposite way. So what I've been surrounded by has led me to push me to want to be the opposite of that. Mm. And I don't like chaos. I like going into a room and thinking, right, I can change it. And do you feel that that living in that environment when you were a child, were you conscious of the fact that maybe your house looked different or, or that level of clutter was different to maybe other people's? Absolutely. And I only realised that because my neighbour's house across the road was immaculate. So I had my house and their house and I spent so much of my time with them because I wanted to escape the chaos. I didn't like the chaos that I had in my house. So I was always at their house. You know, the only sanctuary I had was my bedroom, which is, you know, I always had tidy. I always had clean. I was always moving furniture around to see how the space could change, um, you know, how it could work better. So, you know, I had it in me from a very young age. I liked order. Um, And one of the one things that my dad did actually make us do, not many things he did make us do, you know, in a tidying sense, but was to make sure the kitchen was always tidy Mm -hmm. before we went to bed. So that was the one place that actually, you know, was always quite tidy before we went to bed but mm. now when I say tidy on the surface because in the cupboards it was a little bit chaotic of what I remember mm. but on the surface it was tidy so I always have that the kitchen is one you know it's such an important place but we had a very small galley kitchen so we didn't have a big house really you know so it was uh, it, it, it didn't have space to be that cluttered but yeah everywhere else was quite cluttered but not the kitchen. Would you think that in modern times now today, that might be classified as a type of of maybe OCD behaviour or hoarding behaviour or was it just that they were just, I mean, clearly successful people and, yeah. you know, middle class. And yeah. so would would you think that that was like a some kind of a control mechanism for them or was it more yeah. serious than that? Because I understand that your mum then suffered quite badly with her mental health. Yeah, and she still does, unfortunately, which is why she lives at the bottom of my garden, because we have carers that keep an eye on her as well as myself. 
um, and family members and friends. But it's, it's, I think, I think they just didn't care about the house. I think it wasn't their priority. You know, I, I it's only since I've been doing these interviews the last few days that I think, oh my goodness, actually, when I think back, you know, our house never changed from when I was brought into that house to when I left that house. Not one thing did they do to change it. They didn't change wallpaper. They didn't change furniture. You know, in my room, they changed the furniture because, you know, I was evolving and I wanted different things as you do as a child and a teenager going into, you know, adolescence. You want different things from what your room was originally. But theirs didn't. So, you know, my mum now still has the same furniture that she had when, you know, I was a child. So it's very interesting, isn't it, that that wasn't their priority. Their mm. priority was me. And absolutely, right, rightly so, my, their priority should have been me. Mm. Um, but I think for some people, they just don't see it. They don't see it until someone goes, oh, you, you, you know, this isn't how most people live. And I don't think my mum and, well, I know, my mum and dad weren't hoarders. It was, it was just clutter. It mm. was just mess. It was untidiness. It was just, you know, things being left out all the time. You know, there was never one clear surface. You know, there was stuff everywhere. You know, the bedroom was chaos. Nothing made real much any sense. There was always piles of clothes everywhere. But it wasn't hoarding because they didn't have the time to spend to go and buy things because they literally worked all the time. So the house was the, on the bottom of their priority list. Mm. And yet, for you now as an adult, uh, it has mm. become one of the top things on your priority list because you, you, <laughs> you want and you live this sense of order, Dilly, in your life. So it's not just related to your home. So tell us a little bit uh, before we get on to the book and its contents, you know, a little bit about how you live now, perhaps maybe in response to that, uh, but also, of course, because you have an interest in, in um, living a simpler life. Yeah, I mean, my house is not perfect by any stretch. I think people always think I live in this. Probably there's nothing in it. It's a very lived-in house, but I know where everything is. Everything has a place. There's structure. So it takes me very little time to, you know, sort it out because everything is organised. Um, so, But it's also a lived-in house, you know. It's not, a, it's not a show home. And I think there's that fine line, isn't there? And what you'll find in a lot of the houses that I go into, it's not necessarily that the house is full of clutter. It just has no sense. You know, so it's always about creating a home that flows, always about creating somewhere that makes sense, that you know where things are, that you have zones, that you have areas, you know where your medicines are, you know where your Tupperware is, you know where the kids' water bottles are. You know, for so many people, every cupboard that they open is an amalgamation of like 300 different things. It's not just, well, there's the medicines, there's the Tupperware, there's, there's this, there's that. It's like, oh, everything is in this one cupboard. Let me see if I can find what I need. Mm, That's mm. the difference. It is indeed. We all have that cupboard. Some of us have more than one where everything yeah. from, you know, <laughs> USB cables to napkins to screwdrivers yeah. are kept. And you, you end up and you you do promise yourself you're going to sort it all out. And, you yeah. you know, there, I, I think everybody can acknowledge that feeling. You don't want to throw it out in case tomorrow is the day that you need that stuff. Um, now, in terms of the book, uh, you're on Declutter Dolly's at, uh, on yeah. Instagram and on TikTok. But in terms of the book, which I know was only published last week, uh, you go through your six golden rules of decluttering. So let's share some of those with our listeners. I think the most important thing about decluttering and the six golden rules that I talk about, number one being have a vision. I think that's the most important thing about any type of decluttering is to have a vision. What do you want that room to be? What do you want that space to be? What do you want that cupboard to be? What are you trying to achieve? So vision is the single most important thing that we need to have. Time is the next most important thing. You always need to allocate time to anything that you do. 
So, you know, it's very well with most of our decluttering jobs. What happens is we start something, we don't end up finishing it. So because we haven't allocated enough time. So vision, time, help. Do you need help? You know, how are you going to achieve doing this task? Can you do it on your own? Do you need someone else? Do you need a family member? Do you need friends? Or do you need professional help? Because sometimes it's not that you can you don't know how to do it. It's that the task is too big and you can't possibly do it on your own. So it's always worth thinking, okay, I want to make this room a study, but there's so much in it, I'm not going to be able to do it on my own. Do I need to like rope in other family members to get this done? Number four, the other most important thing you need to think about is how you are going to dispose of the items in that room. So planning is essential. So where are you going to dispose of the items? Do you need a charity collection? Do you need a refuse company to come? Do you need to go to the dump several times? Do you need to go to the recycling banks? You know, always plan these things. So planning is also crucial. There's also an emotional thing, uh, you know, that we found with people who um, have packed up these items, earmarked them for somewhere and then find it very, very difficult to actually take that final step and get rid of it. So what do you say to people in that scenario? It's it's not about, you know, will I ever use this pasta maker ever again? It's it's an emotional attachment maybe to photograph frames or old clothes or children's items. It, It is difficult isn't it it is really difficult but what you have to remember is the reason people don't want to get rid of things the reason think people think they're sentimentally attached is because they don't actually they haven't been through it in a while so we have this we have this idea in our head that you know oh we're very sentimental i, I don't want, i don't like to get rid of things but what you've never done is actually had all these things laid out in front of you and gone do you want to keep it do you not Do you want to do this? And and it's never been organised well enough. Because people think that when you declutter, that means you have to throw away everything. It's not about that. It's about looking at what you want to keep versus what you don't need. So what isn't sentimental to you? And they should be easy decisions to make. It's when it's hard to make decisions about things that are sentimental that people struggle. They think, oh, gosh, I have to get rid of those photo frames. I have to get rid of all those baby clothes. Yes, you have to get rid of some of the baby clothes. You don't want to keep 35 of the same white baby grows, but you might want to keep the baby's first cardigan. You might mm. want to keep the baby's first mm. outfit on the first holiday yeah. they went to. So it's about narrowing that search down and thinking, right, you're right. I don't want to keep everything. But I do want to keep the first of everything. And, maybe, and maybe create a, a memory with the one item that you're keeping absolutely. or or a create baby a box, box or, yeah, memory box or whatever, rather that's than all of right. that items. All right. Well, look, that's you can catch Dilly uh, Carter's all of her tips and, in fact, some fantastic uh, help and uh, assistance in her new book, which is called Change Your Space, Reclaim Your Home, Your Time and Your Mind. And that was published by Welbeck last week. Uh, and Dilly, continued success and, and well done with Thank all of so that. Much. And it's been a joy to have you on The Home Show this morning. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to The Home Show podcast here on News Talk, powered by Go Loud. Now, I have with me in studio and I've been dying to interview her for such a long time. I know we met before in yes. this studio and it was yeah. it was quite, quite a long time ago, but it's wonderful to have you back here because we've so much to talk about. Lorraine uh, Keane, TV presenter, businesswoman, super stylish person <laughs> uh, and as it turns out, a dab hand at the old DIY and interiors and all of that. <laughs> now, My we've friends. a lot to talk about because you are so busy and you have so many interests going on. But 
it is the home show. So let's start out with your fabulous home. Now, last time I spoke to you, you were about to sell it, get rid of it, move on. Yes. What happened? What happened was, um, well, myself and Peter firstly bought the house 20 years ago. It was in eight flats and uh, we lived around the corner in my muse at the time. That was my third renovation um, since the age of 20 because it is a, a kind of a hobby, pastime, while it's working full time. Um, the difference between all the renovations prior to that was I was on my own and working full time. Whereas when we bought the house that we're now living in, that as you said yourself, we almost sold a few years ago, um, I was married and was actually expecting our first child. So that renovation, even though in some ways it was probably the easiest one insofar as the design, because I always said it had its um, kind of bone structure and all we had to do was put it back to the way it was originally. However, because I was working full time in TV and had a a baby in my tummy, um, it was an extremely stressful time. Um, We did the renovations that we did back then um, took it on, mostly ourselves, obviously with the expert tradespeople when we needed to. Thankfully, with the help of amazing friends who helped us every weekend to gut the place. And um, and yeah, Peter parked his kind of music career for a while and paused the album and got stuck in. So we did get it done, but we did it to to kind of the stage that we could do it for ourselves and for our needs at that time. However, lockdown happened a few years ago and... We went into lockdown with a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old and Lovely. came out of lockdown with a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old. Yeah. And the original layout of the house, because the ground floor is separate and that's where the Devlins had their studio and kind of a, a bed sit kind of studio apartment off it. Um, that was the, 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 the place that we, the part we didn't use. The three floors above was the area that we lived in. But Sinead, we had two bathrooms and four bedrooms, which sounds fantastic, but one bathroom was way down. That was kind of essentially a very large downstairs loo because nobody really used the bath or the shower unless you had guests staying. So we were all sharing this one very large bathroom on the return below the bedroom floors. And as I say, fine with a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. But yeah, after now lockdown. Now three stylish ladies yes. with lots to do in the bathroom. Staying in the shower an awfully long time. Thank God Peter is so low maintenance. He never got near the place. He'd need to be, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah. So, sorry, wheel back a tiny bit, right? Because yeah. you said something there in passing and it was like a throwaway remark. But I think there'd be a lot of 20-year-olds maybe listening, thinking, <laughs> what? What? You bought uh, the first house at 20? Times were different. You're not that old. Were. Thank you. You're younger than me. <laughs> uh, not but much. yet it was it was a different time. How, yes. how was that just something that you decided was a priority for you when you were very young? It was definitely easier. I, I was working in a road watch. Now my salary in a road watch was without doing weekends and working in the rescue centre was seven thousand pounds a year. I mean, I, I actually sound like my parents walking to school barefoot you know, in an hard day. Um, and then obviously I did supplement my income by working in the rescue centre and whatever. So you could probably double that. But really, I mean, yes, it was it was a recession at the time and um, a recession of sorts. It was much easier to buy houses. You know, I, all I needed was a deposit. I had a full-time job. And, um, and that's and, all it took back then, yeah, didn't it really? I mean, really? I mean, now interest rates were 12%. Of course. So let's remember that too. <clears throat> so the mortgage you know, the percentage that I was paying back was huge. But I suppose, you know, youth, it's fantastic. I, 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 the I'm hubris still, of it. Yeah, and I'm yeah. still not afraid of risks when it comes to anything to do with work. Um, 
work, whether it's a, a hobby or professionally, um, I don't sweat the small stuff in that way. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I think probably being young and naive. And it was a tiny little cottage and it was, my parents always said to me three things to remember when you're buying a home. Location, location, location. We've all heard that. And it was the tiniest little cottage on Brighton Road and Fox Rock. Mm. So mm. the location was incredible. Did it and up and sold it on a few years later. So, and you've done that now a number of times. Yeah. So that tells me that you don't have an emotional attachment to the bricks and mortar. I didn't until now. So when we put our house on the market a few years ago, because it really is too big for us, Sinead, you know, we bought it and I mean, it's, it's you know, almost 5,000 square foot. I say we, we live on three of the four floors. Um, we bought it thinking that we would fill it with children and that didn't happen for us. Thankfully, we have two healthy babies, so I'm not complaining. Um, but it really is, you know, a very large house. So we decided, I saw a door upper around the corner and I hadn't renovated for a long time and it was literally five minutes walk away but at the time I was on one of my annual trips for Oxfam to to you know make make people aware of their projects that they do in the developing world um, and raising money for Fashion Relief my charity which I know you love and you've supported and um, while I was away the house that we were going for um, went into one of those distressed Bidex one auctions Peter's mom got very ill and we just weren't paying attention and it, we missed it so you know what, in hindsight, I think that we were meant to stay there because we've always loved it. We've never stopped loving mm. it. I pinch myself daily to live where I live. Um, and I think that we probably needed the extra space during lockdown as well. So because then I had the bug to renovate and we decided we were going to stay for um, a few more years, I and then obviously hosting the ideal permanent permanent TSB ideal home show was gave me again the kind of bug to and renovate access to all the experts and, and listening indeed. to them and yeah. then also like listening to the experts and seeing how things had changed in 20 years mm. you know like who would have thought that you could get motorised blinds you know 20 years ago every you know you couldn't now every single blind in the house can be motorised and that mm. was because I interviewed the guys from Luxaflex Ireland you know and then the whole bathrooms thing which I knew we needed to do that, that was the key thing for our project we needed to put in new bathrooms and en suites I was really afraid of that because that was the area probably the only area thank God that I made mistakes on when I was renovating the house first just where I put the bathrooms and putting in two large ones rather than small ones mm. but I was kind of scared of taking on especially in a period house trying to fit in on en suite into those kind of big block of yeah. rooms you yeah. know but then meeting the likes of lovely Richard Sloan from Sonnet's Bathrooms another gorgeous Irish company and hearing how they handhold you through the process yeah. and there are experts now to do all that kind of stuff for you that know all the pitfalls and Did save you, you stay from there while mistakes. you were doing the, the renovation Lorraine? We were lucky that we had da- uh, Peter's dad's um, house we were able to stay with his lovely dad for a couple of months um, but then Amelia and Romy in the same year were doing their junior cert and leaving cert. Yeah, age. you don't like, make it easier for yourself now, do you? Stress <laughs> the poor kids. So we moved back yeah. in for the last yeah. bit, and it was supposed to be six to eight weeks. Ah, sure. Listen, but what happened? What happened? Once we started making changes and upgrading, um, everything else then starts to look like it needed. Doesn't it? Yeah, it's like painting one wall and then the ceiling looks I ended looks up painting the entire yeah. house. I ended up painting the kitchen. I snuck in a bit of panelling, wooden panelling on the hall stairs and landing. How handy are you with all that stuff yourself? You say you stuck it in. Do you mean you personally or Not a bit. make a phone call? No. <laughs> yes, I do a little bit like with regards to painting and stuff like that. Yeah. 
but um, no. It's about I'm, supervising I, the project. Yes, oh, I, right, I okay, do all okay. the nice bits. So tell me now, for somebody who is undertaking, and I know it's kind of a period house, so you know, there are certain things you have to abide by and that yes. you want to keep and features that you yes. want to improve and all that. Yeah. Um, if you were talking to somebody now who was at that stage and starting from scratch, yeah. what things would you advise them to do and and what things do you wish you had done? OK, well, the things that, that you have to do first are the things that are unfortunately the things you don't see. The you boring know, bits. The boring yeah. bits, like the roof, like the, you know, electrics, um all of that kind of the heating um so for us that's where we spent kind of all of our budget so we'd very little left that's why we you know took on the the good heart of uh, a lot of our friends and family to help us out with all of that so do put the money you know it is a lot of money into those kind of things that you don't see because you don't want to go back and do those again mm. you know mm. so you have to do those kind of things first and um after that i would say do up the rooms that other people are going to see. So do the bedrooms <laughs> okay. last? Do you know what I mean? Right, so okay. do the kitchen and the Sleep breakfast room. Sleep on a camp bed, but yeah. your lounge yeah. looks fabulous. Okay. Exactly. What you've got left, do that. Um, and take the advice of experts. You know, as I was saying, there are amazing people out there. Mm. You know, Pinterest and all those fabulous magazines that are out now, like Build and Renovate and Gloss Interiors and Image Interiors. And they're all fantastic for ideas, but they can almost be overwhelming. You know, you can kind of get too many ideas and they don't always show you, you know, how to make it work and, of course, you know, how it's going to come within your budget Yeah, as you well. see like on Instagram and you flick between before yes. and after and there's two yeah. pictures shown, two slides and nothing in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. there you go. Before and after. wall looks yeah. amazing. Yeah. Okay, so where's, where's the all the 16 that? bits of how do you get exactly. there? Exactly. And yes. you have to go looking for that kind of stuff. Yes. So people love showcasing what they've done, yes. you know, without necessarily doing a tutorial on, uh, on how it. to. That's okay. it, okay. yeah. The basic stuff, mm-hmm. right. So anything you wish you'd known before you started? Um, yes, uh, I, I wish I had visited kind of more showrooms um, and I suppose because I was working full time and while we were doing the renovations, like Amelia, I had Amelia, I had to go back to, to work to TV3 after three months because there was no maternity pay back then. Mm. So you know, I had to get money in to pay all of these bills that were the rising and rising costs. So, um, so yeah, what I would do is I would speak to the experts, go and visit, you know, all these fantastic places now have have fantastic showrooms, um, get recommendations for tradespeople. And, you know, if there's a tradesperson that's free next week, <laughs> make sure those <laughs> alarm bells start ringing because that is not normal. And especially at the right. moment when, you know, when tradespeople are in big demand, um, it was a bit like in the Celtic Tiger, you know, anybody could be anything. Yeah. Um, and the, the only people that kind of survived after the Celtic Tiger, um, it was like the cream rose the good to the guys. top, the good yeah, guys stayed yeah, yeah. there. Okay. So, and then again, don't make mistakes, um, costly mistakes that are going to be difficult to, to you know, undo. undo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in, of course, in the middle of all that um, and all of that busyness and everything that you had to do and continue to do, uh, you get time to jump in the sea every day. <laughs> the sea swimming. I mean, look, oh. we featured it before. It became such a big thing during yeah. lockdown in particular. Yeah. yeah. And it seems to me that sea swimmers kind of drop into two camps. The people who 
always did it. Yes. Are doing the races, covering themselves in Vaseline and don't care who sees them. And then there's the other, the kind of, well, we won't call them dry robe brigade. They're me calling them the dry (laughs) robe brigade, you know, who kind of pincer movement down and then have their little glass of bubbly afterwards. Where are you, Lorraine Keane? Well, Which you one know, are you? All those amazing swimmers that I've been looking at for over 20 years, leaving, living in the lovely area that I live in and saying, those mad jokes down there, are they off their minds? They obviously <laughs> are mad. Um, and then what happened in lockdown? Yeah, it was our sea, the little area of Sea Point was closed off. And then suddenly everybody wanted to be part of it. And because we all had a bit more time and we were, you know, I suppose it changed all of our mindset, didn't it, with regards to nature mm. and enjoying our amenities and all the rest, our natural amenities. So took the plunge and literally, became, yeah, addicted. And that's all I can say. It's 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 the it's the best um, addiction that you could ever have because for me, it's not really about the exercise. I, I you couldn't say I'm a sea swimmer, you know, I'm a, a, a sea dipper, Sinead, and I do, you know, the breaststroke and whatever, and I do swim around the tower and I get out. And then I get back in again because the second time it's called the double the double dip that all the lovely regulars that um, have welcomed all of us newbies down to the sea swimming uh, kind of brigade have said it's Lorraine's double dip. And what happens is when you get when you get in the first time, it's horrendous for the first minute because it's so bloody cold. Then you do your few minutes, three to five minutes, maybe 10, you know, closer to the summer months and then get out and get back in again and do it again. And that second time, I kid you not, it feels like Barbados. Because for whatever way your body has acclimatised, <laughs> I swear to God, close your eyes. If there's a bit of light, a bit of a break in the clouds and that light's on your face. For your mental health, yeah. you absolutely 100% never, ever have a bad day after you have a, a sea, sea swim or dip. Um, and that's why I do it. Well, you do it, but you also don't mind. And I think this is fantastic. You You have no problem and lots of people would they'd be running in and hiding and hoping they don't know anybody you put post your videos about it you wear a bikini oh, less. you look and fantastic and that wasn't like me because you know like most of us I have body dysmorphia and there's lots of wobbly bits and cellulite that I'm not pleased with right no, note to all yeah. listeners and absolutely of no and evidence of that in studio I swear to God that's because I'm not in my nippy nude <laughs> I've got a bikini on but, um, but yeah so I that's the other great thing about it. Nobody cares what anybody looks like when you're down on the seafront. Um, there's all sorts of shapes and sizes and ages. And it has just been really, really good for for me in that way as well, where I actually, I don't care. You know, it's not about that. And that's lovely. Yeah. It's so refreshing. Yeah. No, that said, it can be very stylish. And there are lots of kind of <laughs> markets that have grown up around the whole yes. sea swimming thing. Yes. Not least the kind of the robes yes. and all of that. Yes. So do you wear one? Do you have I one? I do. Um, I wear actually a lovely uh, small Irish brand that set up during lockdown. Uh, it's called Bear Hug, so I'd love to give give it a plug. They're on Instagram as well. Uh, and it, again, it was it was somebody that had a business that had been paused during lockdown, during the pandemic, and just came up with this idea. And Chris um, not only does the, the kind of swim robes that are much better quality 
than a lot of the big international brands, I must say, and not as expensive. So they're even even more reasonably mm. priced. He also does the you know the mats and the hats and the scarves and the gloves. Some people go and in the, there in the yeah. little gloves and the booties. That's what and, I do. Okay. So yeah. So um, apart from the summer months, keep the extremities. Once covered. your hands and your feet are covered, okay. Sinead, honestly, is that it's a game is that the changer. Trick? Oh, right. And I'd say to people, anybody getting them, get the three millimeter. You can get two millimeter. You can get one millimeter. You can get five millimeter. Fantastic. But actually, the three millimeter um, thickness is all you need for the the hands and the feet. And I do have a little kind of wetsuit jacket that I wore for the first time this week. March is the coldest month. Can you believe that? Right, the coldest. Colder so when than... people get in in December oh, okay. for Christmas, and you think, "Why aren't they amazing?" And they are amazing. Um, it's not as cold. It's five degrees at the moment. Baltic. Ouch. But Ouch. you know what? It's 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 brilliant as I say, not only for the mental health, but also for my metabolism. I think it's been brilliant mm. for also for for making you feel like your core is stronger and for perimenopause and menopause. Yeah. I think that's why I haven't had a hot flush yet. <laughs> I do. Swear to God, I'm afraid to stop swimming. <laughs> well, I, you're jumping into five degrees. I tell you what, you want to be some hot flush. And of course, you can hop out, you're fully exfoliated and then you can pop on the, the Lorraine Keane tan. Oh, thanks. You're so good. <laughs> You've been promoting it. it. Tell us a little uh, bit about the tan you, because everybody likes their different tans but what yeah. they don't like are the streaks and putting it on yes. and the orange yes. hands and all of that. Well, Decadence by Lorraine Keane is a gradual tan so it is essentially a body moisturiser, face and body moisturiser. It has just been endorsed by the only two professors of dermatology in Ireland in the Institute of Dermatologists at Herbert Park there. Um they have endorsed it as being the formulation being so pure and so good that you can wear it on your face and your body every day without clogging pores. Okay. Oh, so it's right. on beautyedit.com and it's also in Shaw's department stores around the country and in various other places. We're at the moment trying to get it into to other places. It. All yeah. right, okay. So thank well, you. listen, you can find out all there is to know about Lorraine Keane on your Instagram site, which yes, is? Yes, Lorraine Keane Official. Lorraine Keane Official and you will see her jumping in and out of the sea and doing all <laughs> of that that stuff uh, while you are also doing all the, the interiors. Are you going to stay put in this house now, do you think? or? Yeah. Yes, yeah, we're you really sure? enjoying it. It's like yeah. meditation there, Lorraine. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, you know what it is? Okay. Too big for us. That's the only thing. So if another opportunity came up in the same area, we're blessed in the area that we live in. We've gorgeous neighbours. See, so you're so not don't saying it. It's a maybe yes. too far. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, listen, uh, continued success in all that you do. And it's uh, lovely to have you in studio today. Thank you for listening to the Home Show podcast this week. I'm Sinead Ryan. And remember, if you'd like to get involved in the show or if you have a topic or a guest you'd like me to feature on the show, well, please get in touch with us. You can contact us by email at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And you can listen to the Home Show live every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. If that's too early for you, well, we'll always be here on podcast and you can find us on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Thank you to Aoife Breen producing this week and on sound, Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy. See you next time. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning at 8. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.